This morning's scripture reading is from Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. If you'd like, you can follow along on page 8 of your bulletins. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earths beneath me barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Thank you, Chris. We had our, our Korean lineup out today, huh? You know? All right, we're going to need a little bit of editing grace here. Uh, but I'm happy to do that because I think the most important stuff from today's service has already taken place. But we do need to hear from God's word. And so let's turn our attention to this passage. Let's pray before we begin. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you. We ask that you would come now and be present all over again. You've already been here. You've moved in our hearts. You've challenged us with grace and truth. And we pray that you would continue to do that. But now in a, in a special way as we turn our attention to your word. Come. Make these words come alive. Change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this week we are celebrating once again that great American tradition, overeating. Uh, I mean, Thanksgiving, right? Now, I know not all of you grew up in the United States, and so the Thanksgiving holiday might be new. It might be a little strange to some of you, but personally, I love it. Love it. Uh, not just the food, but the relationships, the conversation, the whole holiday tradition. But let's be honest, Thanksgiving sometimes can be a little bit awkward. You like when you run into some awkward conversations over dinner because of that overly opinionated uncle or neighbor that's at the table, right? Or when someone serves kind of a, a, a funky dish. Right? They bring it on over. For instance, one recipe that I hear that's trending is a turkey rolled in flaming hot flavored Cheetos. Now, I don't know how that works, but listen, even if that tastes good, your Thanksgiving turkey is never supposed to be neon red. No, that's <laughs> not the way it's supposed to be. You know what else is awkward? The word bestowed as in the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. I think it's the only time of the year that we use that word. 
I'm sorry, I just messed up your Thanksgiving dinner prayer, didn't I, right? <laughs> now it's going to be awkward, right? Or how about when dinner gets served super late, like at my house, every year, right? Last year, for some reason, our turkey came out about two hours late, past schedule. That was my doing, of course. The year before that, it was about an hour and a half late. This is becoming a big Quan family tradition. You know, the guests are polite about it, but let me tell you, it's a little bit awkward, right? But here's the final reason why I think Thanksgiving can be awkward. Because oftentimes you feel pressure to give thanks when maybe you're not really feeling thankful. You ever feel like that? Maybe that's why you're almost hesitant to step into the Thanksgiving holiday in the first place. Maybe things have been really hard for you lately. Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe you're mad. And giving thanks for you, perhaps today, feels like mission impossible. Our passage today can help us with that. It can't help us much with the hot Cheetos turkey, but it can help us with this. Because here's what it teaches, that it's possible to give thanks even from the gates of the grave. Jonah, after all, is praying this prayer of thanksgiving from inside a fish. Inside a fish. That's neither comfortable nor safe. But that was better than where Jonah was which was in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, drowning. You see, last Sunday, maybe you weren't here, we saw how God told Jonah to bring the message of truth and grace to the great Assyrian city of Nineveh. Over here, but Jonah ran over there, ran from God like we often do, set sail in the opposite direction. So God, in his relentless love, chased after Jonah to bring him back. God sent a terrible storm, in fact, that began to threaten the lives of everyone on the boat. And so knowing that he was the cause of the storm, Jonah offered to throw, be thrown overboard, which is what the sailors eventually did. And so Jonah's drowning now in the middle of the sea when suddenly God sends a big fish miraculously to rescue Jonah by just swallowing him whole. So now that's where we're at. Jonah is stuck in the belly of the fish, but at least he's alive, right? And now he's got plenty of time, three days we're told, to pray and ponder over what just happened. What we have in this passage in Jonah chapter 2, then, is a prayer of thanksgiving. But remember, keep in mind, Jonah almost died. He is praying this prayer while in the belly of a large fish, in the belly of discomfort and distress, as it were. And he's unsure of what's next. It's in that setting that Jonah offers up a prayer of thanksgiving. Listen, friends, giving thanks, hard though it may be, giving thanks isn't just for giddy people. 
Giving thanks isn't just for people that are gliding through life nice and easy. Beloved, it is possible to give thanks even from the gates of the grave. But how do we do that? How can we give thanks even when we're in the belly of discomfort, distress, and even death? This passage tells us a few things. We'll see how many we can hit, and we'll try to do this quickly. Number one, it teaches us to thank God, thank God for rescues that are still in process. Thank God for rescues that are still in process. For most of this prayer, Jonah is recalling these distressing moments that he suffered just before he almost drowned. He describes it in verse 2 as a time of distress. We hear his desperation in verse 3. The current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I mean, we can take this metaphorically. He meant it literally, right? You hear his helplessness in verse 5. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. He sounds like he's in a grave, in fact, in verse 2. Deep in the realm of the dead. And in verse 6, to the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. It almost sounds like a prison. Maybe you feel like you're in one. And maybe that describes something that you're going through, you were going through, are going through. Maybe the waves and the breakers of financial trouble swept over you. Maybe the loss of a job or your home threatened you. Maybe it was to the roots of the mountains of depression that you sank down. Maybe, just maybe, like Jonah, you cried out to God and he rescued you. Jonah says in verse 2, in my distress I called to the Lord. And he answered me from the deep in the realm of the dead, the depth of the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. And in the second verse, second half of verse 6, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. God saved his life, so Jonah gives God praise. And so I ask you, friends, have you perhaps forgotten about the tangible ways that God has rescued you? For some of you, God's literally saved your life. You need to give God thanks and then take time this week to share that story with a friend. Some of you, God rescued you from a reckless lifestyle a way back, but you've forgotten all about it. Some of you can testify with Jonah, I was low, I was good as dead. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Give God praise. And if you're in Christ, then you can thank God for his ultimate rescue, how he didn't let you drown in your sin, how he brought your life up from the pit of hell by sending Jesus to bear God's judgment in your place, that you might be forgiven, that you might have life and a hope and a future. Do you remember good news in your life? Do you remember those rescues? Have you given God praise? given him thanks lately. Some of you, of course, are saying, but how can I give thanks? It still hurts. How can I give thanks? I 
still even now feel like I'm drowning. But don't forget, Jonah sang this song of thanks even when he was still in the fish. He's still in trouble. He's still in trouble. But he notices how God already rescued him from even greater trouble. Maybe you can see it. It could have been you're seeing, you're looking at your life, and you're saying it could have been or maybe even should have been a whole lot worse. It ain't over yet, but God did, in fact, rescue me there. It ain't over yet, but God did protect me from, protect me from even greater harm. God saved me from that, even when you're still in the middle of it. There are ways that you can perceive and see God's rescuing work. By God's grace, we can give thanks even in the midst of the trial, not just after it's all done. Thank God for rescues that are still in process. Secondly, thank God for the spiritual fruit produced by hardship. You know, the ability to see God in the midst of our pain is a work of God's grace. We really can't take that for granted because we're wired for the opposite. Left to ourselves, pain and hardship has this way of making us focus solely on our visible circumstances. It's all we can see. It's all we believe that's out there. And all you want is for that pain or that trial or that hardship just to come to an end, understandably. God has sympathy for our humanity. He's right there with us. He entered into it for us in Jesus. But all we want is for the trial to come to an end. All we're focused on are those surrounding visible circumstances. And so we say, where's God in this? Well, I don't really care. Just make it stop. My biggest problem is that thing that I lack, the more stable job or more low-maintenance kids. Or my only goal in life is just to get rid of the source of that pain, that terrible person in my workplace or on my block or in my family. They were locked in on the circumstance, but oblivious to the spiritual realm, what God really might be doing underneath the surface. Is that how you're looking at your struggles today? Only above the surface upon your circumstances. But see here, what we see in this prayer is how God reawakened Jonah to God's presence. Twice in verse 4 and 6, Jonah mentions God's temple, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. In the Old Testament, the temple was where God lived here on earth. It was the symbol of God's personal presence amongst his people. So Jonah, who'd been running away from God, suddenly became hungry for God. Is that happening to you today? Give God thanks. But that's not all. Did you see the stunning thing that Jonah says in verse 3? You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the sea. So who was it that sent the storm into Jonah's life? Jonah's very clear. God did. 
because it was the only way that God could get Jonah's attention and rescue his runaway heart. So Jonah sees this and he thanks God for the storm, even that near-death experience. Have you thanked God lately like that? In verse 7, Jonah prays this, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. I mean, listen to that confession. When my life was ebbing away, that is when I was, I was fainting, when the water was actually filling up my lungs, when I was losing consciousness, drowning, that's when I remembered you, Lord. That's when you brought me to an end of myself, that I might see you, that I might see my need for you, that I might see your love for me. When my life was ebbing away, that's when I remembered you, Lord. Not because that's how harsh and mean you are, but because that's how harsh and hard my soul was towards you. That's what it took to wake me up. That's how much you loved me. Jonah learned to thank God for what you might call redemptive affliction. That's pain with a spiritual purpose in your life. Have you thanked God for the same? See, God uses that hardship, that thing that you're trying to get rid of, that thing that you're wishing out of your life, maybe even praying out of your life. God uses that hardship to change you, to grow you, to make your faith and your character and your love more like Jesus. If you're in Christ, God will not waste any of the pain that he's introduced into your life. Do you believe that? As Romans 8, 28, 29 tell us, promise us, in all things, all things, even in the painful things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, in order to conform us to the image of his son. That pain that's chiseling away and making us more like Christ. Psalm 119, verse 67, puts it more succinctly. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Maybe that's one for you to memorize and hide in your heart. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now, because of your affliction, I keep your word. Why should we be surprised that God would work this way. God used the infinite suffering of Christ on the cross to bring about our salvation, to bring us into the salvation of Jesus. So why should we be surprised then if God continues to use suffering to make us more like Jesus? So could this Thanksgiving be a season of honesty? A season of honesty where you, you don't need to pretend that you're more chipper than you really are. But you don't need to pretend that everything is just working out just fine. You don't need to fake things. You don't need to say things are fine when they're not. But maybe it's a season when you can begin to learn to thank God, even with tears, for the redemptive affliction that God's introduced into your life. 
the ways that God is bringing us to the end of ourselves, bringing an end to our pride, bringing an end to our selfishness and our self-glory to, to make us more humble, to teach us how to love more unconditionally. You know, love is never learned with ease. The best way that God teaches us how to love, the only way is to take us down the road of the cross every time. I know for myself, when I was getting my rear kicked last year with burnout and failure, that God in that time was actually really kind to show me that it was all for my good. Just a, a, a strange confidence that I had that as hard as that season was and in some ways continues to be, that this was going to bear fruit, that this was going to make me better. That God was and that God is stripping me of the illusion of control and showing me my need for rest and showing me just how self-reliant and how arrogant I really am and how badly I need a team of people, a whole community, in fact, to shore up my weaknesses, to teach me to love, to teach me to trust God. But so stubborn is my heart that he was never going to get through to me without a little bit of pain and a little bit of shame. This is how God works. This is how God calls us, therefore, to learn to give thanks for the tough love of God. course, the only way that we'll ever give thanks for our pains and our afflictions is when we come to believe that God actually does have higher purposes and greater and more glorious goals than just our comfort and our short-term happiness, which is usually all that we're concerned with. So can you have with me a bigger vision of God, a vision that Jonah had as he says he lifted up his eyes to see God in his holy temple. This is a heavenly vision, the majesty of God, the holiness of God, the greatness of God, whose love was that strong, that enduring, that relentless, that he would go pursue his runaway son, Jonah, that he would come and pursue you no matter how far you might run and no matter how much it might hurt. We together, in community, might grow to believe this grand truth, I think helpfully expressed by Kirk Franklin, the songwriter whose songs we sometimes sing, when he said, God will let you hit rock bottom to let you know that he is the rock at the bottom. Would you find him there? Some of you are skimming the surface and wondering why you can't find God. He's taking you to the deep place. He's taking me to the deep place. Because that's where he's at. That's where Jesus plunged through, too, as he hung upon the cross. That's where we'll find him in the low place. It's always where we discover the richest of treasures of God, isn't it? You know this story. You've experienced it yourself. This is your testimony. This is Grace's testimony. This is the testimony of all those who know the mystery of the cross. The mystery of Jonah, the one who found the secret of giving thanks even in the belly of a great fish. 
a place of distress and discomfort, having just been rescued from drowning and yet not being exactly sure where the story was going from there. That's all of us to some degree, but especially those of you who today might struggle with this call to give thanks. But guess what? You can do it by God's grace. You can. By the grace of Christ. You can know and that we can know together that it is possible to give thanks even from the gates of the grave. It's possible to give great thanks even from the gates of the grave. Let's pray. Jesus, we ask that you would help us to get beyond just the, the surface things of what's visible or f sensible or feelable, the pain that, that circumstances that press in and help us to see where you're at. Help us to see the deeper spiritual realities. Help us to find you, Jesus. Pray especially for those that are hurting so much they're just ready to throw in the towel and quit, renew their strength. Pray for those who have been hurting and have not yet found you, looking for you perhaps, maybe not even knowing that it's you that they're looking for. I pray that today you would crack open their hearts in a new way that they today might find Jesus, the rescuer and the lover of our runaway souls. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing. Let's magnify the Lord together.